At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Since 1936, the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws in American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values, and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passions. We are NWF Outdoors. The NWF Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Hunt to Eat, an inclusive hunting apparel company with a focus on community, real food, and conservation. Check out Hunt to Eat's NWF line, wild game recipes, and hunting and fishing designs at hunttoeat.com and enter the code WILDLIFE10 to get 10% off your order. Welcome, everybody. This is the NWF Outdoors podcast. This is Aaron Kindle your host along with my co-host Drew Youngdike and today we have the pleasure of bringing on a good friend who's been on the podcast before and uh, is a great conservationist in his own right. Uh, Monting Putellis is the CEO and founder of a company called Hunt to Eat. How are you doing today Monting? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, we, we talk a lot and You've got some great ideas, and we wanted to get this opportunity to bring you on again and and update and, and flesh out a couple of the new things you're working on and take the opportunity to tell everybody that Hunt to Eat has become the new sponsor of the NWF Outdoors podcast and uh, talk about that a little. But first, we're going to ask you and Drew both, and, and we'll all go over this, about like we like to start with, what have we been doing outside? So, Tell us, Monting, what, what have you been up to lately out in the, out in the great woods? I am, uh, I am like th- three, actually right now, three weeks today, I am post my uh, first 100-mile uh, run attempt. Um, and I'm still, uh, still recuperating, so to speak. Um, I went for a little <laughs> five-mile run this morning, and I still have just one nagging little knee injury um, that is still not healed. So um, I actually otherwise feel like I'm in the best shape of my life, but uh, that one knee injury is just like um, not letting me get back to running again. So, yeah. Well, I, I envy you, Mating. I'm like two years past my first 50K, and I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drew, tell us what you've been doing then. 
Uh, well, you know, I, I was on the road for a while recording a documentary about Asian carp, both what they're doing down south and, and what they might do in the Great Lakes if they get in. So I've been uh, dodging uh, silver carp flying at my legs, uh, surfing in the Great Lakes, camping out uh, all over Michigan, Indiana, and Tennessee, keeping socially distant. And uh, despite being on the water with some pretty good fishing guides that put me on fish, not catching any. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it perplexes me how I can go out with some of the best guides in the Midwest and get completely skunked. You know, like I'll go like hammer bluegills at the local uh, state recreation area, LWCF funded, of course. Uh, you know, get a few bass on my own here and there. But I go out with guides and it's like nothing. You know, I, I don't know how that happens. But Guide well. anxiety, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. I will say I've also been, uh, Aaron, to your um, chagrin, I have been learning how to fly fish a little bit more. I have finally purchased all of my own gear. Why am I, I actually, chagrin? Why, I, mean, I guess I've been, chagrin. To, I've to been your, trying to make you get to, to your going. To your oh, wow. grinning, I should say, to your yeah. grinning. Um, yeah, I bought all my own new stuff. I actually, and then I went out and I have successfully not tied the fly, but I've just tied the fly onto the string. <laughs> and was able to catch my first uh rainbow trout all by all by myself um, awesome wow. which is uh you know for not being a real angler um and then i've gone twice with uh one of our ambassadors to try to go catch like walleye and stuff the first time it was like it had been 90 degrees out in colorado the whole time and the first time we went out the temps dropped to like 50 and it rained all night <laughs> um and we caught nothing and Put then right we tried up. to go out yeah. yesterday we tried to go out was it yesterday or two days ago and um by the time the afternoon rolled around we were going to go out to the lake we drove out there and it was like white caps <laughs> so we didn't even go out it was like what's the deal i can't well, catch I've, a break I've, trying to, yeah i've had an invite for you to come down and, and spend time in salida with me and get on a boat and you know show you how to do it the, the good way so well keep keep we, it open don't yeah, yeah, don't let no, them we're, i'm gonna I'm going to make that happen here shortly because we really have a bunch of work to do down in Salida. So and we just need to, it'll be a reason to come down there even more. So don't, Good. don't let him give you too much grief about that. I've got video of him catching pike on a spinning rod. Yeah. 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 For my part, I've spent a, a little bit of time outside in the last week or so. I'm, I'm taking the next couple of weeks off uh, and going to be on a nine day river trip on the green river to desolation great canyon uh in utah and it is extremely low and there's some notorious flat water sections in there and so we always bring one motor for a button for like five boats one little small outboard so my latest foray was up to a small reservoir near here with my boy a few mornings ago uh nice and early and we got that motor going and tooted around this little reservoir and caught a nice handful of rainbows on the fly. Uh, so that was my latest, but mostly I've been preparing for this trip. We, we bring two boats. My wife rows one, I row one. You want to have ice the whole time. It's going to be a hundred degrees the whole time. So you pack the, you, you, you get the fruit, the, the ice ready in the coolers and you spend a lot of time prepping up and getting umbrellas ready and all that kind of stuff. So I'm about to, finish that job and really dive in full fledged here this weekend. So, uh, that's, nice. that's what I've been up to outside. Speaking of motors on boats, um, do you, have you guys, either of you, um, 
fish off of uh, paddle boards? I have not. Not yet, but I I finally bought my first surfboard and it's like a big 10 foot foamy. And and I think like if I just like get a paddle, like maybe I can work out. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's buoyant enough. Uh, Of course, I'm still like falling off it, like just normal trying to get up on it. So it may be a while, but yeah. They, they you just hawk one of those big fins on it and maybe stabilize a little bit. <laughs> well, you just got to buy the right paddleboard. So I bought, I got a paddleboard. Well, I bought one. It failed. The company's sending me in because it was an old model. So they're sending me a new one. Um, but it, it's like a regular paddleboard, but then it has like two, has like, like outriggers. Not, they're not outriggers, but they kind of look like outriggers attached really close to like <laughs> to the edges. So it's really stable. Um, but I've been wondering about, cause it has, you know, you can like, most people put a cooler on it and then you put the like Scotty, um, uh, you know, mounts on there or whatever to hold your poles. But I'm wondering about putting a trolling motor on the front of it little or on electric. the back of it or whatever, yeah. like a little electric motor and just being like, does, does that work? Can you, I mean, can you push around? I'm sure you could like make that? it work somehow, especially with those yeah. outrigger training wheel things you got on there. Really <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> like, it'd, be, it'd be real interesting hey, if you hey, got like a and yeah. If you're trying to land like a 15-pound walleye or something, I'm sure you're, you, you know, you'll take Drag all the you help around. you get. Yeah. yeah, totally. So... Yeah. Well, well, that was a, that was a good little start to uh, a couple of different things, but uh, <laughs> I think one of the things we, we want to know Monting from in your words, you know, why did you feel like you wanted to sponsor this podcast and, and work with, with us and NWF outdoors, the hunting and fishing arm of NWF. And uh, you know, just, just talk a little bit about that. We've, we've had conversations for several years now about different things. Wanted to mention too, you, you already sponsored the Artemis podcast, been a great supporter of that for a while. And you're kind of a, a cutting edge thinker, especially in the hunting and fishing space, you know, trying new things, doing new things. Uh, so just wax on that a little, if, if you will. Yeah. Well, um, so I, I think somewhere down in your notes, you're going to ask me like, what is hunt to eat? And so I think that starting from that point is a good place to start. So what are we? It kind of depends on how far down the rabbit hole you want to look. Um, obviously we're a, we're a t-shirt company. I mean, right. We make cool t-shirts. That's kind of how we started. Um, but that was, that was just the start. Um, so as and I was a reluctant t-shirt maker really, um, had zero knowledge of how to make a t-shirt, um, or how to print on a t-shirt. Um, when I started, I was an outdoor educator. Um, I was just barely a hunter, um, maybe like four or five years into hunting. Um, when we started seven years ago, something like that, my math's going to be all wrong, but, um, ultimately the company has grown into being, um, or everyone that I think we work with is interested in being a agent of change, um, in particular culture change, um, as it relates to the hunting community. Um, and so with that thought in mind, um, we are always looking at ways to like be in the community to influence the kind of like the trajectory of the community, um, the industry at large. Um, and so, you know, going from being a t-shirt company to being, um, more of a media company, um, is definitely a trajectory that we're on right now. And so, you know, there's, we're also a 
extremely tiny company <laughs> um, in, in reality. And so, you know, when we can't do things all on our own, then we've got to reach out and into our community and kind of utilize the folks who have the capacity to take on certain projects. Um, and so podcasting is one thing where, I mean, it seems like everybody and their mom has a podcast these days. Um, and it's just My not mom something that, yes, neither does mine, but she could. Um, and so, yeah, so podcasts are one thing where it was like, this is a, you know, you all obviously have a, every podcast we sponsor has a different type of community associated with it. And, uh, getting our, um, you know, our branding and our voice into part of that is, uh, just helps us spread our message. So, um, yeah. And so NWF has been a good partner of ours for the last probably four years or so. Um, and so sponsoring both of the podcasts that are associated with NWF just seemed like the next logical step. Great. And, uh, I, I should mention to folks, if you go to hunttoeat.com and you enter the code wildlife10, that's our special code that, that Hunt to Eat has worked with us to make, you can get 10% off of any of the products there. We have a handful of collaborations, as do some of the uh, NWF affiliates you might find there. Um, so go take a look and check them out. They, they do Monting talk a little bit. This is a good chance. I mean, you have blogs, you, you tell some stories, you have some ambassadors. I mean, yeah. we're going to get to this, but I think we're kind of there. What does it look like? Kind of how do you structure it? And, and what do you try to tell the world about your company and the people that you, you know, bring on? Yeah. So I think there's, I'll say, I guess there's, I have this little note that sits on my desk um, that some, I can't remember her name. Her, she was influential in that she left this little thing with us um, when we were at a conference. Um, and it says, it's kind of like a way of operating, right? So it's mission, not organization, trust, not control, humility, not brand, and then node, not hub. Um, and I think that's just that that sits on my desk for a daily reminder of how I want to run a business and how I want to operate in the community. Um, so with all of that, we, um, you know, like going to the ambassador conversation, um, when we started the ambassador conversation, I was blown away at how many people, um, when we first opened it up four or five years ago, we had, um, we had like 300 applicants in the first hour that we opened it up. And they all had to write an essay, like a 500 word essay. It's crazy how many people like literally jumped on it. Um, and these were just average folks, um, right? Like we didn't go looking for the person who already had 20,000 Instagram followers um, that would, you know, spread the message and essentially like hawk t-shirts for us and, and build sales for us. We looked for folks that were engaged in their community that were, you know, 4-H mentors and, and hunting, uh, like, in, uh, hunting ed instructors and folks that work for nonprofit organizations already. Um, you know, and most of them, you know, their Instagram following, for instance, is like a couple hundred people. Um, but they, they're all like stand up human beings that really impact actual other human beings. Um, cause they're out in their community engaging with folks. Um, 
and some of them are you know great photographers and some of them cook amazing meals right and, and all this stuff um and we get to amplify their voices which is i think ultimately being able to amplify like the community's voice at large um is just something that is different than kind of how that has normally happened in business um, in like the outdoor rec space and kind of the hunting space. So um, yeah, as far as, you know, as far as like the website goes, like, yeah, you'll see us selling t-shirts on there, but you're going to see the podcast that we sponsor um, and all of the, you know, conversations that are happening there. You'll see all of the recipes that all of a lot of ambassadors and just community members have submitted to us. Um, and it's a lot of stuff that is, it's, it's not your typical, but it's also very relatable. Um, so we try not to make these things, um, excruciating to try to like replicate, right. It's like everyone has a bunch of wild game and you want to, sometimes you want to like spice it up. And sometimes you just want another, you know, another classic recipe that the, like I myself am, am a very average cook if below average is probably a better description. So, um, the first time I saw Michael Cravens do the scotch egg recipe, I always thought that was really, really hard, um, to make those things. And then you watch the recipe and you're like, Oh, that's totally doable. Um, so my goal with all of that is to really just make, um, wild game, uh, very approachable for the average folks that maybe have just been grinding a bunch of stuff up and making hamburgers, you know? Um, and that's all they do. And which is, don't get me wrong. We eat a ton of birds. That's like my, it's my, the best thing I make is a hamburger. Um, but there's also a lot of other cool stuff that you can do. Uh, are another thing I think that have always been ground up for most folks. Um, and now it's like, uh, slow cooking your shanks is pretty much the easiest, best thing you can do to make barbacoa. Um, barbacoa, is that the right word? Um, essentially just like pulled, pulled meat, you know, spice it up with whatever you want and make tacos, make sliders, whatever, um, things like that. So, uh, what else is on the website? Yeah, I think that's, that's about it. And with all, uh, well, and then there's another thing that's kind of coming. So, um, all of this has been a work in progress, obviously. And, uh, we have just Michael Cravens kind of started. Um, he's actually works for NWF down in Arizona. Yeah, um, actually, we, ambassadors. we actually had yeah. him on a couple a uh, couple months ago, right at the start right. of this whole pandemic. He, uh, yeah. he, he works for Arizona Wildlife Federation. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and um, unfortunately, I haven't had what he cooks yet. I've just seen pictures of it on Instagram and on your blogs. <laughs> and so now yeah. like, I can't wait to like find out exactly what what he's selling, right? Yeah, um, he's great. He, he really he makes it, he makes it very approachable, which is great. Um, so we actually have two brand new, uh, contributors that are going to be joining him in what we call the community kitchen. Um, so Alyssa LeBlanc is a chef out of, um, Nova Scotia. Um, and she hunts and fishes a ton. And, um, she, uh, she was actually on the show master chef up in Canada. Um, so she's joining us and then, uh, Chris Gavin out of, um, Wisconsin, um, who just, uh, does a bunch of foraging and, you know, just is just another great guy out of Wisconsin is going to be joining us as well. And so you'll see more videos from both of them, um, in the community kitchen section. And then we actually in the kind of in the conservation space, we have, um, we're building out a cohort of folks that are, um, 
professionally, I'd say they're all scientists um, kind of focusing on conservation, um, conservation biology. Um, one's a bighorn sheep biologist. One's a biologist that works for a tribe up in Labrador. One's a um, community like development and uh, planner. Um, with multiple advanced degrees. Uh, I can't remember his whole resume is kind of impressive. So we're building this cohort out to essentially write content for us, but also have a dialogue kind of internally um, about how conservation biology and, and just the, the work of scientists, um, how that all relates to kind of the hunting community and um, the food that in the wild game that we want to eat and kind of just all these topics kind of how they relate um, and how hunters can like, what does that mean for a hunter and like the day to day and what's the takeaway that a hunter can do could say, okay, like you scientists did all this work. Great. Now what, what can I do about it? Like what's my, what's my action, you know, now as a, as a, as a, just an average person. Um, so you're going to start to see a lot of that writing come out. Um, they already are talking internally about some, about collaborate collaborating on some really cool um, conversations. So I'm excited to see what these folks kind of put out there in the world. So um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. So yeah, that's, you know, that's the, the website in a, in a nutshell. So with those two themes, um, wild game conservation, you're talking about uh, building out uh, writers and content on the website around both of those themes, which of those was a primary motivation for starting Hunt to Eat? Um, was, was it one before the other, one as a way to the other, or did it just kind of happen organically? Um, well, so that's part of, uh, part of the, new, the new visual rebrand that we're gonna launch. Um, well, by the time this podcast probably comes out, it'll be really close um, to launching. Um, you'll notice the new logo actually in, uh, in the in this podcast's own logo, we've we've already added it there. Um, but I'll say that when we started the company, it was really just like we want cool shirts that fit well and feel well, right? So we always we print with water-based ink, so you don't feel the print on the shirt. Um, a lot of people still print with plastisol, which feels like a giant sticker on your chest. Which is, we say, you know, friends don't let friends wear plastisol. Um, like nobody wants to wear that shirt as cool as it can be. It still feels like a giant sticker and it sucks. Sorry if you guys have some of those shirts, but like the reality. Oh, you don't have any you, now? I don't have any. I don't. And people Got rid give of them me all. shirts sometimes and I'm like, hey man, sorry. Like they're just going to go, I'm just going to donate them or whatever. Um, yeah. You just want to, nobody wants to like, you have so many choices of things to wear these days. You're going to wear things that are comfortable. Um, so it started as I want, to represent hunting in a cool way with a t-shirt that fits great and feels great. Um, so we didn't, we always struggled actually with kind of some of our branding in that instance of like, what's, you know, what's, what is hunt to eat and kind of how can you showcase it? Um, and so it's taken us, um, I've tried it various times, but it's taken us essentially seven years to get to a point where um, when you go through a branding exercise and someone says like, what are your values? What do you stand for? you know, what is, what is like, what do you, what do these colors make you feel, you know, like, how does that relate to hunting? And you do this whole big exercise. And when we tried it before, kind of like, 
we wouldn't get very far. Um, and now seven years later, I can answer all that stuff very clearly. Um, right. And it's like, I can say that we're, we're all about community, real food and conservation. Like those are, those are things that, um, just stand out as, uh, ubiquitous, honestly, from the research that I got this from, it's ubiquitous for people across every culture and across the globe right now. Those are three things that every person wants. And the conservation part is, is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit kind of, uh, it's actually nature is the thing that everybody wants or a connection to nature. Um, we say conservation cause we're kind of just to be more brand focused. Um, but by being able to answer all that stuff, then now I can actually like build out the branding, which is, um, which is super fun. So I will say that none of that stuff existed seven years ago. We were just like, ah, ah t-shirts, cool. That's it. So what was, <laughs> um, I mean, what now was the inspiration so to it? Maybe just the name even like, how did you, like, how did you kind of yeah. think I'm going to dive into a t-shirt deal and call it hunt to eat? <laughs> well, we didn't cause we, when we, I mean, I didn't shop much at those, like at the big box stores, but when you walked into those stores, it was just like, all you saw was like, I say that's like tchotchke shirts, right? It was just like Buckmaster. And, and I don't know, like, I don't know how to better describe it than just like, I'm not going to wear that, right? Like it's, honestly, I have, I'm, I wear Patagonia clothing 99% of the time if I'm not wearing a hunt to eat t-shirt, like at least I have a hunt to eat hat on right now. Everything else that I'm wearing is Patagonia um, because I, I believe in what the brand stands for. Um, we don't always agree on all of their points, um, you know, of, in, uh, in like the environmentalism movement that they, they, all of their stands that they take, but pretty much 95% of the time I do. Um, and they have just like a style that looks really great. And so we both, um, my, my brother who co-founded with me, um, we were like, we we're both that way, right? We both support Patagonia through and through, and they have a style that we wanted to see in the hunting space. And so ultimately that was kind of like the, let's bring that style to hunting and say something different than, Oh, I love big bucks. Like there's, there's gotta be more to hunting than I love big bucks. Um, so yeah, there is more to hunting, believe it or not. Absolutely. Really absolutely. <laughs> yep. So, so let's talk about you a little. I mean, you're an interesting guy. You know, where'd you grow up? What what the hell brought you to to right here to get into hunting? You know, who who are you? Unpack that for us. So, I said it a little while ago in a little video we did during some of this upheaval we've seen recently. But um, my name is actually Martin Putels, um, which I. Uh, I, I phoneticize and dumb down um, so that most folks can say it appropriately. Um, so I'm a, I consider myself a Latin American. Um, most, some people could argue with that because I was born here in the States, but my first language is Latvian. I grew up in the Midwest in Michigan, like deeply in, in, in uh, ensconced in the Latvian culture. Um, both my parents are Latvian. Uh, my grandfather was the head of the Latvian pagan church growing up. Um, we spent all of our Saturdays at Latvian school, all of our summers at Latvian camp up until we went to Latvian high school during the summers where it was like a boarding school. Um, so being Latvian is definitely a huge, huge part of my existence. Like I, 
I still think in Latvian a lot of the time, um, being kind of growing up in the Latvian pagan church, which is very, um, nature based. Um, it's, that's like kind of my outlook on life is very, it's, I wouldn't say it's religious, but it's, uh, spiritually based kind of on in nature. Um, so I've always been a kid of the woods and like wanted to do more with being outside. Um, that is to say that there's what, what I've, the conversation I had just the other day with, uh, with someone new that we were, we went for a hike and kind of did a walk and talk, which is great. Um, it's kind of looking at what our, the, the culture that we come from and like what the, what the, our peoples have endured and how that affects kind of like who we are in the world. Um, and so I, for me, it stands out because there's been being growing up Latvian. Um, so if you don't know where Latvia is in the world, it's essentially one of the Baltic states in between Lithuania and, La and uh, Estonia and right next to Russia. Um, it borders the Baltic Sea, which ultimately leads out to the Black Sea and then to the Atlantic. So in over the course of history, um, Latvia became a nation state in like 1201. Um, it has constantly been a linchpin for trade in Europe. Um, and so, and really across like the entire um, Europe, kind of Asia, the continent, uh, people have always come right to Latvia to try to get to, to use its non-freezing ports to get through the Baltic, through the Black and to the Atlantic. Um, and so because of that, we've essentially been a oppressed nation for like our entire history. Um, so much so that right like my my grandmother fled latvia when she was 17 um fleeing from nazi and russian occupation walked herself to germany to a uh, to a refugee camp where she met my grandfather ultimately had my mom at the refugee camp and then you know made their way to the united states um but like we've been fighting that oppression for a really long time and so these days with what's going on in the world um fighting oppression just seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> um, so that's like really far down the rabbit hole of like what hunt to eat is, but like, we're going to be agents of culture change um, and we're going to fight oppression in the world. And so for anyone that doesn't feel like they can be a hunter or go hunting in the woods for whatever reason, um, it's my goal to change that and to make like everyone feel welcome doing that. And you, I said all of that without crying because <laughs> our family is much criers, passionate people. You, you've been pretty outspoken about those issues of oppression, um, you know, on Hunt to Eat's uh, social media. Um, what kind of response have you had to that? Um, incredibly positive incredibly positive so we're you know we're still small we, we're like whatever we have seventy-two thousand instagram followers i think on the couple days where we were incredibly outspoken about what's going on with um with black lives matter um and that and the those issues in the united states right now you know i think we lost 200 followers and we gained uh, a couple thousand so i think the reality is that there's a lot of people that hunt that will that believe similarly that we do that 
um, this is a space that needs to be rethought out, you know, re rethunk a little bit, um, and, and made more, uh, made to be a more welcoming space. Um, and so, yeah, we're just, we're doing that. Um, I will say that we recently published, well, we came out with our first, um, during pride month, um, we snuck in the last day of pride. We snuck in a new, um, rainbow trout pride shirt, um, which we, I was super pumped to work with one of our designers who, um, herself is in the LGBTQ community. And, uh, she did, she, um, along with one of our ambassadors who all also is, and we kind of co-created this idea for this design and uh it's been one of our top sellers since it launched um it's gotten rave reviews um that ambassador justin bubinick was also um wrote a fantastic blog piece for us which um which did so well that i think um in certain regards it uh, it followed up with another piece that he wrote for um project upland um for aj and those guys over there um, they've also been very outspoken and great partners in, uh, in this work. Um, and ultimately that has led to a major publication reaching out to Justin for him to write another article, um, for that publication. So I, I won't talk to that yet um, of who that is, but, um, when he, when Justin texted me that that happened, you know, I see that and I'm like, that's, that's real culture shift happening in real time. And that's something that we should, we should all be happy to see. And I'm incredibly proud to be able to say that we're facilitating that. Um, that's it's like, what's it's why I get up in the morning. You know, if it was just a hawk t-shirts, I would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. And I, and I think that often those of us who, who haven't experienced the intimidation or harassment or oppression um, that people of marginalized communities have had to face in getting into the outdoors may not recognize as much why that's important. Um, when we were up actually filming our, our Asian carp film, uh, the filmmaker and I were sitting, you know, socially distant at an outdoor table and somebody who maybe thought, thought we were together in a different way, um, yelled at us, what are you to some sort of, you know, expletive or something. Um, and I turned to him and I said, no, so what if we were, and this is right near my hometown. Like somebody's trying to intimidate us because of what they assumed we might be and try to make us feel unwelcome in a place where a, I grew up, but people go to fish. That, that's a destination for people to go to fish. And it, it kind of made both of us kind of take a second look at, you might hear that these things happen, but man, feeling it for the first time, uh, that that's tough. And, and folks that have dealt with that their whole lives and, and still come out to the outdoors makes at least me more motivated to make sure that, that we roll out the welcome mat, you know, that, that we make sure we eliminate those instances as best we can. Yeah. There's, there's that's I think that's a that's a much longer conversation um but yes there is so much work to be done um in in you know people people calling for allyship I think is a little bit um well from an article I just read yesterday it's a bit um uh, that should have happened years ago it's more like now like do you feel this pain as it as if it is your own if you do great like Welcome to the team. Let's go. Let's go fix this. If you don't, sit on the sidelines, because um, there's just people who are like, <laughs> there's people who are dying because of this stuff. 
And if, if that doesn't spark you into action, then I'm, I don't know what will. Um, so yeah. Some deep stuff. And I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want <laughs> to anyway, downplay the, the importance of that. And I won't, but I do want to ask you too, because there were some things we wanted to talk about that um, just to kind of, that I think our audience is going to wonder about too, is, you know, you talked a little bit about your background, but how'd you originally start hunting? I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know if it's, you know, could you bring us along on that a little bit? I, I will. I will say that um, I will just thank NWF for where they have been publicly on all these issues as well. It's another reason why um, sponsoring a podcast was like the right thing to do. Um, because we're just, we're like, we're, we're playing on the same team here and, and uh, moving this, these conversations forward. So, um, yeah. So growing up, um, I was in a hunting family. Um, if you know who my brother is and who my dad is there, you can see them on Netflix on various, on various shows. Um, I don't need to go into that, but, uh, they hunted growing up like, a, you know, like maniacs. Um, I did not, um, I was, uh, not a fan of my dad growing up. Um, that's just like the, that's not the harsh truth. It just is the truth. Um, and I was just more focused on, you know, being a skate kid and a BMX kid and all those other things. And, um, until I essentially learned of like the great West and the, the Western mountains, um, we went on our first ski vacation when I was somewhere in seventh grade or so. Um, and pretty much once I got a taste of actually Eldora, which is close to where I live now, um, in Denver, that was the first place I ever skied out West. Um, I got the taste of that and I was like, I pretty much spent the next until I graduated high school, just dreaming about the West. Um, it was a constant in my head about like, when do I get to go do that again? When do I get to go do that again? Um, which, so that led me to couple years of community college, uh, wasn't the best student growing up, um, got my act together and then landed at Prescott college out in, uh, in Prescott, Arizona, which, uh, was, I got a degree in adventure education, um, and became essentially a mountain guide, um, working with anything from fifth graders to, you know, guiding folks, rock climbing to a lot of college age students, a lot of high school students. Um, so that just got me into the woods a ton. Um, and then my brother had already continued to do the hunting thing out West. And, uh, you know, every time I kind of visited him and, you know, we, we ate a bunch of wild game growing up. And so I was, that was always common to me. Um, I started to learn more about kind of ecology and those things through my, uh, through my education at Preston college. And, uh, so when I landed in, Colorado to live. Um, and my brother was living here. That was kind of the first time where I was like, cool, I think I can be ready to engage the natural world in a way where I actually take from it and like, you know, learn about the elk herd that I'm going to hunt and, uh, and what's going on with it and kind of like, yeah, just get into it. So having my brother live here was a huge blessing. And, um, my first, my first hunt was a, uh, was a elk hunt. Yeah. And I, uh, my first year I shot a bull that my brother called in for me and, uh, 
it was kind of game on ever since. Bigger go home, huh? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, it's, I think that's just because that's what he did a lot of, right, was he was an elk guide. Um, and so living, he lived in Vail. And so that's kind of, I still hunt a lot of that same herd. Um, I've, I've moved on from that herd a little bit because if you, it, that herd legit is like, um, since I started hunting, which is about 11 years ago, um, that herd in Vail, Colorado has been very studied um, by scientists and it's in the news a lot in that there's so many recreationists in Vail, Colorado these days that are out there day and night. Um, you know, they're literally ultra runners running at night out there, much like myself, like there's people out there all the time that they have affected that elk herd, um, so that its numbers have fallen by 50% since I started hunting. So, um, even myself now kind of like moved away from that herd just to give it more respite. Um, it's not, yeah, it's getting punished out there. So, um, yeah. From, from starting with elk though, what, what have you branched out to? What, what other species do you, do you hunt fish forage for? Um, so mule deer has probably been the other thing that I've been successful at hunting. Um, and then I, that I enjoy hunting. Um, and then just through, through owning hunt to eat, I've gotten the ability to go do way more waterfowl hunting, um, some upland hunting, uh, got to go back to Alaska and do a caribou hunt last fall, which was, I mean, like I'd been out to the Brooks range before, um, luckily enough through, through work. Um, but, uh, to go out there and kind of on it like a bit of a do-it-yourself hunt with a couple of guys from the industry uh it was just like super cool um yeah so and then fishing just kind of has recently happened um i've also learned that we have a lot of uh with all the reservoirs in colorado we have a lot of the kind of what i think of more as like midwestern i don't know why i think of them as midwestern fish but i think of midwestern fishermen as you know walleye crappy perch like all that stuff just because that's kind of what i remember people talking about growing up and it seemed like everybody in the west was just like fly fishermen that you know catch trout um but i guess all the reservoirs we have all this other fishing to do and you can eat all that fish so honestly um i'm not i'm i i joke that i'm a about fly fishermen like aaron being fish molesters because they like to pick them up and coddle them and then put them back um which is fine um, i'm learning to to love those folks as well um, but I'd much rather bonk it on the head and eat it because if I'm going to torment it out of the water, I might as well just end it and, uh, and eat it. So, um, yeah, so I'm really, I really want to get out and with my paddleboard now and go fish for walleye and uh, bring some I stuff. I think the home. thing about the uh, catch and release is, is frequency, right? I mean, you can only go bonk so many fish and if everybody did it, you know, yes. on, on Colorado's and, rivers and streams, there just wouldn't be any left. Unless and you're you get a little taste of, of the wild what's that? that i said unless you're as bad of an angler as i am i can go out all the time <laughs> and i catch few enough that even if i catch them you know the, the population is going to be okay <laughs> no you're you're right aaron um and you know like i i think i will say that for me it's more that i don't fish that much right i don't like i have even when i started elk hunting it was kind of like i hunted like I just did a lot of other things that I hunted my one week a year during rifle season. 
Um, I would shoot some before, you know, to make sure that I was proficient. Um, but at the end of the day, like I didn't spend that much time hunting. It was like one, you know, and so with fishing, it's kind of like, well, during the summer, you know, when it gets good, I'll spend a little bit of time fishing, but like, I'm ultimately, I'm going to go run trails and I'm going to go, you know, do all this other stuff that, uh, yeah, it's just not, um, I like being well-rounded out in the woods and not, um, not just an outdoorsman. Most are now don't typecast us. Now most are, I'm I'm going on a nine day river trip and not going to fish at all, by the way, for a guy who fishes all the time. You're not bringing a fishing pole? No, it's a, it's really? a, it, it, most of the fish in that stretch of river, there's a lot of the endangered fish, the warm water fish, uh, there's some catfish, a couple other things, but just not, I don't want to see now I am sensitive to tormenting da- endangered fish see, <laughs> for, for one. And then two, I just, you know, it's not the kind of fishing I know. Well, it's kind of like you might be able to throw out the hot dog and, you know, set it on the oh. shore and get you a catfish that night, which yeah. I'm into and I've done before and I appreciate yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just not going to, you know, it's more about hiking and looking for petroglyphs and spending time on the river and, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, but um, I'm not a, I'm not a, an elitist by any means. I like it all. I do, do whatever you got to do to get out there. That's my main thing. Yeah, totally. Do you have any plans to, to incorporate some of those other interests into, into the brand at all? I, I just wonder because, um, you know, mm. sometimes as hunters and anglers, we talk about being well-rounded, as you mentioned, outdoorsmen or outdoors women. And we mm. list off all the species we hunt and all the species we fish, but, you know, you're an altar runner. You're, you know, you're, you're doing stand-up paddleboard. Aaron's doing rafting, you know, like with some of these other, um, there's still outdoor recreation activities. We're out there in the woods. We're learning about, nature yep. through them have, have you thought about incorporating some of those activities into your lines um we i just joked about us finally having like an other tab on the website where you just can go get shirts that have nothing to do with hunting or fishing but they're just funny shirts um uh, who knows that might come down the line um, if we have enough people going to the website these days that you know you can hit the other tab and maybe find something funny that you like that's not the levity line. Let's do it. Come on. We yeah, totally. We're working on some more, more <laughs> things that are just a little, uh, you know, it's fun. It's nice to like showcase the why we hunt in and like the ethos of what, of why we hunt in a lot of our lines. Um, and at the same time we're working on just a little bit more levity, yeah, a little bit more, um, you know, like just jokes around things that happen when you're in the outdoors that, um, it's funny. And like, it's, you know, if that bring, if that gets someone to wear one of our shirts and that ultimately brings them like into the conversation of like these other things that we talk about, then that's good. So this fall you'll see, um, some more of that stuff. And I think they're, they're pretty clever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's always been on my mind. Um, it's just that, you know, you have to have a market for those things. And, uh, you know, if you make a bunch of shirts and there's not a market for it, then you're just, it's not very good business. So, um, still am running a for-profit business. So, yeah. Well, one, one thing I is really occurring to me and I know this and I actually think about it a lot, but it, during this conversation, I think what's interesting about the hunting community is to the outside world, we look pretty homogenous, right? We look like we're all kind of the same type of thing. And it's actually not true at all. And I, you know, 
I grew up in Wyoming, grew up with more of the typecast, you know, around the typecast hunter, you know, just into guns and big bucks and, you know, the things we've talked about. Um, And then kind of went away for it a while and came back to it, you know, in my, my later twenties, you know, 20 years ago or so now. And the, the most awesome thing that I think I've ever really experienced in my life as far as outdoor recreation and connecting to the woods was the days when I found out, wait, not everybody is like those guys I knew growing up. And there's a bunch of really cool, conscientious, diverse, neat people out here doing it for a lot of different reasons. And yeah, that's really what ultimately led me to the sporting conservation world that uh, I saw some of that and that path attracted me very deeply. And I kept going, I meet people like you and, and others. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that I really would salute you to. Like you're bringing that out in a lot of ways with what, what you're doing in, you know, in a simple way with t-shirts and, 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 and highlighting voices. But that's a, that's a neat thing. I, it, it's hard for me to tell somebody who's never hunted or known hunters that they're not all like that crap you see, you know, on hunting TV right. and, and then the, the, the dumb posts on Facebook and all this other stuff. And so I, I appreciate that now they're starting to be more of a, a menu to pick from to show people this is what hunting can be. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's conscientious people out there doing this and that, that really care about more than just, you know, that stuff. I, I'm, I'm kind of waxing here, but I'm, I'm sure you have some retort or <laughs> something to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I thank you. And yeah, it's, uh, I, for me, it, for me, ultimately it comes down to like, listen, this is who I am. And if I can't run a business based on like my beliefs, then either I'm not going to run that. Like, I'm just not, like if, if no one bought the stuff, um, based on what I put out there, then we just wouldn't be a business. Right. And I'd be okay with that. I'd be like, listen, if, if the, if the hunting community didn't want to see this stuff, um, then I would go somewhere else. And then I would maybe do, you know, the business like back into my climbing roots or, uh, you know, into ultra running or something like that. Cause there's definitely, um, you know, there's, there's space to do this type of business in other places, but, um, but it, is, you know, it is fun to see, um, we started seven years ago. And like, when we started, I really, I don't think I can't claim to be like the first person doing this, but we obviously started because we were, I mean, as an entrepreneur, like I was filling, I was fixing a problem that I saw, right? Like I couldn't find this thing where I, you know, specific to me. So I was going to create it right. Much like most entrepreneurs are fixing some sort of problem they, they have themselves. Um, and now you can, I mean, I was, there's multiple companies out there trying to, you know, do essentially the same thing. Um, maybe not quite as outspoken as we are, but people creating cool art on t-shirts, right. Doing that stuff. And I, well, I mean, I, you know, I don't get worried about the competition because ultimately I'm like, listen, it comes back to that mission, not organization, you know, like humility, not brand, right? Like if you're into making culture change in the hunting community by making a cool t-shirt that says something about why we hunt besides giant bucks, great. Like it's more people out there rocking it and having that conversation. Hopefully people are willing to have those conversations. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good. Well, we're closing in on time. We've, we've kind of ran all over the place. Um, 
it, it is good uh, to to talk real quick to uh, what's your fall look like? What 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 are you gonna do this fall mm. as far as getting out in the woods and seeing if so, you can put some meat on the table? Yeah. Um, if my knee heals up, I'm still going to attempt, um, to run a hundred miles this fall. Um, I didn't, so I, I didn't, I didn't make it a hundred miles this, you know, three weeks ago when I tried. So, um, I, there's some very easy lessons learned about the mistakes I made, um, in that effort. Um, and since I feel so good, otherwise, um, I want to like utilize the, the, the form while I have it. Um, so that's definitely top of mind is to try to get in another hundred mile effort. Um, outside of that, I did draw a bear tag in Colorado, a rifle, an early season rifle bear tag. Um, and I've yet to hunt a bear. Um, it's funny in Colorado, I have only seen at least while I've been a hunter, I guess back in the day, I saw some more bears down in Lake Telluride. Um, but, uh, what, since I've been a hunter, I've only seen one bear in Colorado and it was running across 285 the highway um, while I was driving down the highway. So like I just, for whatever reason, I know there's a bunch of bears out here. I just have never seen them um, when I've been in the woods, which is kind of bizarre. But uh, so I'm going to go to um, the Vale area and hunt a bear. Um, that's like my September. Um, and then probably go and help some other buddies who've got, who are going to be over the counter elk hunting. Um, and see if I can't help them like call in some bulls. I know it's having hunted like 23 days last year for, uh, elk by myself. Um, I know how much harder it is to try to call in a bull when you're by yourself than to have like your buddy doing it for you. Um, so do that in September. And then I've got a, I drew a okay buck tag for mule deer. Um, in Colorado, I will do an OTS over-the-counter elk hunt um, with a rifle this year. Mostly because while I'm an okay archer, um, I'm still very new to the game, so um, I am way more proficient as a rifle hunter. And so, having not killed an elk last year, I want to have an elk in the freezer this year. So I'm going to go out there and and uh, and hopefully hunt one with a rifle. Um, Sounds like else? you're going to be doing a lot of sitting around. Yes. Well, that's kind of how it goes. Go in the woods and sit down. I'll make a uh, plug too. I've had, I've had some amazing dishes that you and your wife, Erica, have <laughs> put together. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll get invited or something at one point to see what you can do with that bear. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. I've had some really amazing bear at times. There can be bear. Bear has a bad reputation, but man, there's some amazing bear. <laughs> It does have a bad reputation, particularly when you eat it raw and you become one of four people in the United States to get trichinosis in the year. I've gone through that experience. It's not very pleasant. Um, so I will be cooking <laughs> it to uh, 165 degrees at least. Um, yeah. So what else we might, so speaking of Erica, she and I both drew leftover, um, antelope tags for, uh, Wyoming. So we're going to go up there and hopefully, um, we neither of us have ever shot him. Uh, well, she's never shot anything, but um, we're going to try to go shoot um, some antelope. And, I think uh, you took my boy and I. We we both struck out for the first time in five years in our oh really bags and wild. Well, so I blame we struck you. Out. We struck out with preference points <laughs> on our first try, but then it was in the leftover. In the leftover, we got them, and I think we got them because it was it's in a spot that's like super checkerboard. There's not a lot of public. 
Um, yeah. I just have a good friend of ours, um, Chris Sheets, that you guys both, I think, know. Um, he's got a funny little hunt where we, like, go by boat to access some public land. So um, in a not that great of a unit. For people so. who know Wyoming, you you really narrowed the heck out of where that might be. <laughs> yeah, does does <laughs> he make you water in Wyoming? <laughs> does he make you hunt trad? <laughs> No, no, this is a, it's a rifle hunt. So, um, yeah, I don't know how, like, like, you know, as far as Erica's hunt first hunt, I don't think it's going to be that, um, necessarily that like out, not, it's still going to be a hunt, but it's just not going to be like a backpack in hunt and like, you know, amazing. It's going to be more like jump on the pontoon boat, drive over there where you can access and, you know, I don't know. It might be more like getting groceries than, than, you know, hunting per se, but you know, that it all has its place. So um, we're just excited to hopefully have a bunch of antelope. Um, and then kind of depending on how all of that goes, I might go and uh, go back to Wyoming or back to Nebraska and try to shoot some whitetail. That was kind of my, my, uh, my back, my back, my backup plan last year, which I needed. I ended up shooting six whitetail does last year. Um, and thank God we did because otherwise the freezer would be far emptier right now. So, um, yeah. So who knows what else will come up? Um, I was actually supposed to be in California right now hunting blacktail. Um, but, uh, with this whole rebrand going on, it was just like too much. Um, and with COVID still raging, it's like that kind of travel, just that much There's driving no COVID there, in California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, uh, who knows what else will come. I think there's, uh, maybe a trip to South Dakota as well to do some, um, uh, a bunch of, uh, actually crane hunting, um, getting back to doing some sandhill crane hunting, which is, if you've never done that, it's like lay in the sky. I mean, yeah, they call it ribeye in the sky, but it's definitely, it's as far as shooting birds out of the sky, it is like shooting a pterodactyl that is flying at you compared to, God, like last year we shot, um, I shot my first woodcock up in the, in the UP and holy cow, that was like, I only shot it cause I was like, just lucky. Um, you know, they fly like fighter jets around. Um, whereas literally like a, a sandhill crane is very much like a 747 coming in for, for docking. So it's a bit easier. Um, but yeah, so we'll see something always tends to pop up in the, in the later in the season. So well, hunting, far-ranging, fascinating, fun conversation. It was, uh, it was good. I'll, I'll, I'll say we salute you for the barriers you're breaking down and the things you, you're willing to talk about and, and push and promote and what you're doing with your company. We obviously thank you for your support uh, for the NWF Outdoors podcast. We're going to do yeah. some more cool stuff together here in the near future. You and I have been talking about, you know, doing some creative things and, and look for that in the future for our audience. But uh, thanks for your time. You want to leave us with any parting shots? Um, be a nice human. That's all That'll you got. Do. Be nice. Works to live by. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks for your time, much. guys. Appreciate it. We will uh, Thank we'll you, post Monty. connections to your uh, links to your website and then some of the stuff we're doing together uh, at the show notes. And I uh, think that ought to do. All right. Thanks, everyone. 
We are NWF Outdoors. Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.